What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Sunday night, February 28th, 10.29 in the p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone. My name is Rob Doster. The gentleman that you see with me today is Deshaun Butler, former West Virginia All-American. Once again, he is back after a 2-2 two and two week. He, uh, he clinched a spot in the, I don't even know what conference Wheeling plays in, but you are Mount, in your conference Mount tournament. Conference. Mountie's Conference. If you had asked me that two weeks ago, it would have been a absolute like, oh, huh? Like <laughs> Mr. Crab memes in the background, like of me thinking. Well, I mean, look, talk your shit a little bit, man. You, you guys qualified for the conference tournament. You're in. You're playing. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, starts very, for you tomorrow. I'm very excited, Rob. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we uh, have a, a ton of, just like every other team, we have a ton of things we need to work on and get better at. But I know these guys are extremely happy about uh, fighting through this tough week of three away games at in tough and tough venues against tough teams and they found a way to to get the wins we needed so we can qualify man it's awesome i'm happy for them well it's good congrats uh but i'm not gonna lie i am glad to have you back it was weird Same. like i didn't felt like we didn't t- talk for so long and, and you know, i didn't really know what to do I, i'm sitting here watching basketball i got nobody to text what am i doing what's going once on here? once again man this is gonna be new for me here i gotta get my feet wet again i'm, I'm worried <laughs> i might not be able to keep up with you this is the last I'm, time we were on, I gave you all these compliments of how much better you get all out the window now, man. It's all let me, take, let me take a week off. There you go. <laughs> he can't handle compliments. Uh, all right. We uh it was actually a pretty wild weekend in college basketball, which no, I mean right. makes sense seeing as uh, anybody listening to this right now, it is currently March for them. Uh so yeah. it's it's starting to get there, man. It's that time of year. It's 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 we're here. It's the time, it's the big time. Um why we this is why we do this for yeah, this, as, this time now. As always, this uh, this podcast is made possible by our partners over at Bet Rivers. Um, we have to talk about Ohio State getting worked over by Iowa on Sunday. Villanova lost today. Illinova, uh, Illinova, Illinois. That was tough. To say. <laughs> Illinois picked up a really good win at Wisconsin without Iowa Sunmu. Um, Michigan State took a loss at Maryland, who looks like they're for real all of a sudden. And Cade Cunningham went fucking bonkers. Uh, at Oklahoma in one of the most impressive individual performances I've seen this season. But the big news, we only have one more undefeated team in college basketball right now. It is the Gonzaga Bulldogs because Baylor went into Fog Allen Fieldhouse and lost to the Jayhawks. It was not pretty. They did not look good. They very much looked like a team where, according to, to Jeff Goodman's reporting, eight players on the roster came down with COVID during their three-week shutdown. Uh, they didn't play for three weeks. They only had two practices before the, uh, the the Iowa State game. They've had five days since they came off of their shutdown, uh, and it very much looked like it. So what were your takeaways? Uh, there's two things. There's two things for me that, that we need to talk about. One is Baylor, and two, 
is the homie David McCormick. <laughs> oh, that- I swear to God. <laughs> The homie. <laughs> the homie. As soon as you brought up the game, all I could think about was I'm, I'm so happy David McCormick went out there and did his thing, man. I was so happy for him, man. Uh, he had six of the first, like, ten points. It got to a point where they put Mark Vital on him. They, they Baylor did some of the things that you discussed, that we discussed all the time. But you definitely bring it up uh, going small – to be a little bit uh, a little bit more uh, versatile defensive wise and being able to run offensively and and, ha- and have some mismatches, and it it got to a point where they were sending double teams in the post to to David McCormick. I mean, he's in my and in my eyes, Kansas did a great job overall. You know, playing playing well together. It wasn't like Kansas shot like this tremendous like tremendous uh, percentage from three and. But they they outworked they outworked uh, Baylor. They punched him in the mouth early, and Baylor. I mean, after having this time off, they they were a little wobbly after that hit, man. And I mean, like I said, David McCormick is getting doubled in the post at one point in time in this game. They had to get the ball out of my guy's hands. <laughs> when did you think that would ever happen? I I never I, seen it. I always had the faith. I just had <laughs> no. But in all, all seriousness, no. Like he uh, he played great. I mean, Kansas came out there, like I said, punched Baylor in the mouth. And I mean, Jared Baylor didn't have one of his, his better games. I think, like, majority of guys, it might be easily one of the worst games Baylor played. So it wasn't, it's hard. Like, it's hard to, like, it was hard for me to judge it because I don't want to take anything away from Kansas. They're at home, they protect their home. And it just made me feel like I didn't get my, I didn't get a good Baylor so I can see. Like this, like I, didn't, I don't know. I can't take it away from the, the win away from him, but I, I still don't know. Like I just doesn't. I don't feel any different about Baylor. <laughs> like I just feel like Kansas beat a like almost a wounded Baylor, but more or less like you know they weren't they weren't the Baylor I expected. You know, guys came out and it was just shooting terrible as a as a team. Yeah, uh, they they very clearly weren't themselves, and and we'll yeah. get into that, but. Uh, I, I do want to. I do want to start with um, David McCormick because th- there's something that there's 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 numbers that I want to throw at you, and I'm, I'm all ears. It, it hurts me. <laughs> it hurts me to like to say this because uh, it's just basically admitted how how like wrong I was about him. Well, actually, no, it's not how wrong I was about him. It's about how much better he's gotten as a player. There we go. Um, so after the law or after the win against Texas Tech when Kansas beat Texas Tech by one in Fog Allen Fieldhouse which was their first game of conference play uh, David McCormick had a usage rate that was over 30 and his efficiency was was at a 75 like his offensive rating according to Kempom was a 75 we talked about specifically what that was uh, last week it's basically yeah. more or less on 100 possessions anything that ends with David McCormick ending that possession you would average 75 points out of 100 possessions which is very bad that, that's very very bad especially for someone that was that high usage. Well, in conference play, right, his offensive rating is 116, and his usage rate is 28.5, which is really, really good. And I wanna, I'm going to put that into context, okay? Hunter Dickinson's offensive rating is 119.7, and his usage rate is 26.1, basically the same as David McCormick. Luca Garza is 124.2, and his usage rate is 31.3, which is just like off the charts good. There's a reason he's the best. Uh, Drew Timmy. His use his offensive rating is 129.3 and his usage rate is 26.4, which is like 
exceedingly excellent. So that kind of puts you in a, gives you an idea of how good David McCormick has been. He's basically been on par in league play with Hunter Dickinson. And I never thought I would see that. And, and I'm about to say something that I never thought I would say, Deshaun. Wow. We've been talking all season about how Kansas needed a go-to guy. Well, it's David McCormick. Like, that is their go-to guy. What their, their entire offense right now is built around getting him post touches, letting him bury smaller, smaller defenders, finally having him go up through those smaller defenders and just say, you know what, I'm fucking seven feet tall, 250 pounds, and you're not going to stop me if I'm going at the rim. And he's doing it, and he's doing it really well, and that's what Kansas' offense is built on. They're now forcing you to double, and as soon as you double, they kick it out. Boom, swing, swing, attack a closeout. Swing, swing, uh, Christian Brown's knocking down a three. Swing, swing, you got Marcus Garrett getting downhill, getting to the rim. And it opens up everything for him offensively. That's it right there. It's David McCormick. I never thought I would say it, but it's him. It's it. I'm finally coming around. It's him. Put some respect on my guy's name. Publicly apologize to the homie David McCormick. There we go. There we go. Nah, man, honestly, like to your point, man, he's from the start of the season till this point now, he's gotten he's become extremely efficient. Um, you can see it in his game, just the way he's carrying himself on the floor. The we're not seeing a lot of those turnaround jump shots that he just put up a ton of. Mm-hmm. He's he's getting to like getting in the paint and going toward the rim a little bit. He's being physical. He's not and he's not backing down. He's he's bringing a fight, and I enjoy watching it. Like I, the last couple Kansas games, actually, I've enjoyed watching Dave McCormick play, man, because mm-hmm. he's competing and and it, Kansas looks good while when it when they try to get to him. I mean, it, 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 excuse me, I was about to call him Spencer. Um, it helps Marcus Garrett a ton. Being able to find somebody, it uh, it helps. Like you said, it helps Christian Brown. It helps the entire team when they have this guy. They can just they got that play where they literally bring everybody to one side of the court. They get that little lob pass off, and then after a while, he gets if he gets the jump hook going. Now it's time. Like people is and Baylor isn't the first team that's been trying to double getting the ball out of David McCormick's hands, man. So like, it's not like this. Oh, Baylor just couldn't do it. Like it's not just them. So. That's how well he's been playing as of recently, man. I'm happy for him. I remember saying this in the beginning of the season. I would love to see what this Kansas team looks like when the tournament starts. I, I mean, they didn't have that score. I know we discussed that. They needed that go-to guy. I'm not, I don't know if he's the go-to guy yet. He's playing very well. I don't know if he's the go-to guy for Kansas. But if he continues to play like this and they get into the tournament – I can see Kansas making a very good run. Yeah, well, see, that's my thing about them. I, They are right now pretty much, I think, at their ceiling of what they can be. Like, Bill Self has got them playing great. They've won six in yeah. the last seven. Uh, they're, they've been awesome defensively over that stretch. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they played like Iowa State and Kansas State in a couple of those games, to be fair. But, you know, the, like the only loss they have is at Texas in overtime. And, like, there's no shame in losing at Texas in overtime. They beat Baylor. Um so I think right about now, like they're peaking at the right time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the they're they're done with conference play. Yeah, this this is it. They peaked at the right time. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. What do you well with this team specifically? Like it's always good to like. Uh, I know I always felt like this. Like I'd rather get my losses and everything out of the way, like toward the early February and stuff like that, and then be ready to start. Like you said, peaking around this time. Do you feel like this team, this Kansas team? can go deep in a tournament, even 
with this roster the way it is, like as, as long as they know themselves, like they don't have to be like, uh, um, they, they don't have to be any other team. I mean, the, the style that they have right now is pretty simple. And if, I mean, I mean, if it works and they, they're comfortable just playing that and it's playing within themselves and just sticking to these things that they've been doing, granted the competition has been, besides this game, has been a little bit lower than usual. I, I will agree, but. but I mean, sometimes I, that helps, you know? Like yeah, sometimes yeah. you need to beat up on an Iowa State to be able to get your confidence and figure out the shit that you need to be able to do. You know, exactly. you're not going to, you're not going to, if you're struggling a little bit, playing against like, you know, West Virginia and playing against, um, Baylor and playing against some of the best like Oklahoma like you're not going to be able to figure out what you're doing wrong and get it right and get into that rhythm playing yeah. against some of the best teams in the country it's just that, like that's not that's not how it works now it doesn't help it doesn't they help. got their confidence right <laughs> they figured it like they figured out what they were doing they got their reps in they're yeah. peaking at the right time um for me like I think that they're, they're I mean they're good enough to be able to make a run I think it's one of those situations where it all kind of comes down to matchups for them um because I don't think that they have like they don't have that David McCormick's their go-to guy, but they don't have that star. Right. Yeah, like there's I agree. That's why I said I don't know if that's their guy. He's Dave McCormick's been great, but like this is the best that 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 we're gonna see David McCormick be. And he's also very limited in the sense that he has to have people kind of set like he's not you're not giving it to him told from the basket and saying, go make something happen. You could do that with Luca Garza a little bit and Drew Timmy yeah. a little bit. He's not like Embiid. He, like, yeah, he has, not to, like it has to be like a setup play where he gets that. Yes, he's, he's, get, he's getting his stuff out of like the, the offensive Bill Self is running results in David McCormick getting a duck in off of this action. And yeah. that's where, and they're able to get it to him because they create the angle to get whatever they, they create. The, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about that, um, and I never really trust teams to go that far that don't have great point guards. Like, I'm not going to just, like, bet on them to to make it to the Final Four if you don't have a yeah, great yeah, yeah. point guard. Uh, uh-huh. But, I, I mean, they really, really defend. It's Bill Self, and they've figured out who they are. And at the end of the day, like, that's that that's really important, right? Be well coached. Be able to know who you are, understand your own scouting report more than anything else, and execute your offense, and you're you're basically going to be who you're supposed to be. So if they end up, I would guess they end up like a four seed. Mm-hmm. I think they, they had them at a, they had them at a three before that game even started. Yeah, so I I mean I think they get to the second weekend. I don't yeah. know if they're if they're beating any of the best teams from the Big Ten. I don't think that they're um, if Baylor figures it out. Like I think that Baylor's still in a different stratosphere from them. Yeah, uh, Zaga obviously is. We already saw that matchup, but like I mean. Kansas can get to a second weekend and figure it out from there. And then all you got to do is have a two and O weekend and you're in the final four, you know? So um, yeah, they, they've, they've kind of figured it out, but I do want to talk about Baylor a little bit because uh, I, I keep, and it's fucking driving me insane. D. <laughs> I keep seeing people say like, well, why are you putting all these caveats in for, for Baylor? And why are you saying, yeah, but they had this two week shutdown. Michigan had a shutdown. They came back and they kicked Wisconsin's ass on the road. Well, there's, there's two very, very important distinctions that you have to make about these two shutdowns. The first is that Michigan did not shut down because they had any positive cases within their program. Nobody on that roster tested positive. The reason they shut down is because the state of Michigan stepped in and said, okay, someone in that athletic department tested positive for a new variant of COVID, which is more contagious. So they said, closing everything down for two weeks. We're making sure that this doesn't get out. We're being ultra safe. You guys yeah. can do your workouts in your apartment. 
whatever you got to do. Like, and yes, that's going to hurt your rhythm a little bit. And yes, it's going to hurt your, uh, you know, you're going to come back and maybe the handle's not going to be as tight. Maybe your legs are going to be a little bit gone. You're going to not quite have your win, but you can do enough workouts in your house that you don't lose everything. For Baylor, eight guys in that program caught COVID. Eight yeah. of them. Eight play- not just guys in the program, eight players yeah. caught COVID. That, that, like, that's co- according to Jeff Goodman. If Jeff Goodman says so, like he did a huge, big story on Baylor last week. If anybody knows, like Goodman knows, eight players that's a lot of COVID. People, and like, Obviously, it's not it, like that. I, I don't want to get like too into the wormhole, all, rabbit hole of all that stuff. But like COVID is not going like it doesn't kill kid, people that are that age the same way. It's not as dangerous, as life threatening as it is for people in college basketball age versus people that are like 70 plus, 80 plus. Mm-hmm. But that shit takes you off your feet for a week, sometimes yeah. two weeks. Like Not I, to mention, you don't know what the hell could happen. Like two, three of those guys could have gotten pneumonia, like, like yeah. three, like three other guys. Like it's just like all, all kinds of stuff comes with us, uh, comes with it. So, like, so like not only are they dealing with a three week shutdown where they only had, they, they had two practices coming back. It, they're basically starting over from scratch. Like Michigan was able to maintain it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Baylor's there's they're basically starting over when it comes to like their fitness level and um, how in shape they are and whether or not they have their legs and how long they can run and like you can see that when they play like their cuts yeah. weren't crisp their jump shots were short and flat um, their rotations weren't there like when Baylor is late in rotations like that's when you know that they're not right because yeah. the whole point of their defense they have great individual defenders but what makes their defense so so good they they for, they don't let you go middle. They force you to drive baseline. That help is there before you even realize the help is coming, right? They got the guy cutting off the next pass. They're zoning up, and their rotations are like this. When they get into scramble mode, man, it's I love watching them get into scramble mode because it's like boom, lockdown, boom, closeout, boom, closeout. Best, best defensive team in the country. It's not even close. Yeah, so, like yeah. normally, like when you get teams. I mean, Dad, you know this. You're you're a coach now. You play. When you get teams in rotation like that, normally like that's what you want for an offense. Like that, a bucket's coming. You're either going to get an open jumper or you're going to get a drive to the basket against a closeout, right? You don't get that against Baylor. No. And Kansas got it basically every single possession. So, I mean, I could reel off more stats for you, but let's just let's, yeah, let's leave it at this. I mean, like, they ain't shooting the way that they shot before the shutdown. They got out rebounded. Their percentage is way down. They're not forcing turnovers at the same rate. Like they are not the same team. And and I'll, I'm sorry for my little rant, but I'll, I'll let you go after this. But my biggest hope right now is that um, they are able to eventually get back to where they were before the shutdown. And I'm not totally convinced that they will be able to get there, man. Like they, they got a long way to go, a long, long way to go. And it would be, it would really, really suck. And I would feel so bad for Scott and so bad for those players because, like that team. I know, like you're a West Virginia guy, but like yeah. those Baylor kids are so likable. Not a good. They they seem like a really good a good group of guys, man. And, and I, obviously, as a basketball player, you admire how hard they work, especially coming from like a program like, that I came from, like where the team is predicated on defense and and rebounding. I mean, you see a team do these things, like I mean, you you can't help but like want them to do well because like you come from that similar background cloth in a sense. Um, I, I pray that. Uh, I mean, I feel like they're a good enough team that they can bounce back within a week or so. And this will be just like a speed bump. It's the thing is, like, if they had ran into <laughs> Iowa State, like, 
Well, actually, no, I'm tripping. Yeah, they, they already had that. But still, like, they're, they're to run into a team like that early on, like, coming out of this, it'll – I wouldn't be too too worried. But they ran into Kansas at home, at Kansas. Like, it's, it, I would be disappointed in Kansas if they didn't come out there and win that game. <laughs> like, that would have been – that actually would have been more, like, shame on them. Now, obviously, we're like, oh, Baylor, it's Baylor. They're ranked, like, number two in the country at the same time. They're coming back from this, this pause. And – I mean, Kansas have been playing pretty well, and they got the the kinks out. Like, I mean, it is what it is, man. I I think Baylor would be just fine. Though. Give them a week, two weeks, get their feet underneath them, and I hope so. Still, it's still the same team. I feel like because they're not predicated just on offense, and they do so many other things in the court that that make them the team that they are. And they're so deep. I don't see. I don't foresee this being something that'll last too long. I, I hope you're right, man. They got West Virginia coming up next. That I mean, yeah. that I don't think they're gonna. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, they're not gonna win that game. But so, all right. Before we move on to the next thing, let me just tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering a two hundred and fifty dollars match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet River Sportsbook, they pay fast. And now it's even faster with rush pay instant approval for withdrawals. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. I know I use them. And with March Madness right around the corner, it's March 1st. When you're listening to this, guys, it's March 1st. There's never been a better time to give Bet River Sportsbook a try. So go to betrivers.com today or download the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 gambler all right let's get into some takeaways from the weekend day sean um i'm assuming you're with me in saying that at this point in time right now uh you got to call michigan and gonzaga the two best teams in the country i would probably say it's gonzaga number one and then michigan number two uh, but until we see baylor get back to their 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 form i think you have to say michigan is the second best team in the country right now I won't argue that, uh, especially if we're waiting for Baylor to get back to normal. Yeah, Michigan was a number three to me um, coming out of uh, their pause. And, man, they've they've been good. <laughs> they've been good. They've come out. They beat Iowa. They came out. They beat Indiana convincingly. Like, I'm like, a lot of you know, I'm starting to – well, Franz Wagner, of course, is – we've talked about him. He's amazing. But man, like you would, I've probably said this uh, as uh, a lot as well. Like Isaiah Livers, bro. Like I, I, I remember you saying like, yo, he's they've got like two or three pros in their team, and I just sit, I will sit there and watch, and I'm like, yo, this dude is damn near automatic from behind the arc, solid defender, rebounds, like he does a lot for this for the for this Michigan team, and then obviously you have Hunter Dickinson, and you have you have Eli Brooks and these guys. Like I feel like. The way that team is set up, you'll get your majority of your scoring from Hunter Dickinson. You'll get the scoring from Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner. And if you can get, and this probably sounds terrible, but, but these guys do so many other things on the court to get these guys the ball, play defense, Shawnee Brown, Mike Smith, and Eli Brooks. If you can get these guys to, like, get around 20 points all together, this, this Michigan team plays good enough defense to the point where they'll beat any team by, like, 10, 15 almost. Yeah. Like the teams that they're playing, like they're just that talented. Like they're very, very, very good. Um, yeah. And Franz Wagner, like he's, I love him so much. I love, I just, uh, he's so good. I'm glad that he finally came out and kind of had like a couple of breakout games. 
Yeah, this week. He needed these two back-to-back ones for these 220, these dubs he just put up. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it, if you understand what you're looking at in a basketball game and you understand what role players are asked to do, like you you very much know um, how good Franz Wagner is. Like it's not a secret to anyone that knows what they're looking at. I'm glad that he came out and he had these two big performances. So it's kind of like – I'm, when I'm sitting here being like, yeah, Franz Wagner is the best NBA prospect on this roster. And everyone's talking about like Isaiah Livers and Hunter Dickinson and their point guard yeah. play, whatever. Like, I feel, I feel vindicated now. I feel vindicated now. I feel vindicated. Like those guys are pros. They're pros. But what he does for his team, like he's not the guy hunting shots. And the other like part he, of it is he's, he's he doing right now, the role he plays right now is the role he'll play in the NBA. Yeah. He's, like he's not team. hunting shots. He just takes what he gets. Like and he plays like he just flat out just keeps it simple and plays. He's not out there forcing things. He's running his ass off in transition. He's so he's doing a lot, man, and it shows. I mean, and, and if he can do that this efficient, I he's a pro. <laughs> this is a given. He's a pro. Uh, all right, so um, I guess the first overreaction then, since I, I don't think it's really an overreaction to call uh, Michigan the second best team in the country, is probably. Um, is Iowa good defensively now? Like, are are they actually good? Like, is this team did they figure it out on that end of the floor? They today they beat uh, Ohio State at Ohio State seventy three to fifty seven, um, which is really really impressive when you consider that Ohio State entering the day uh, was one of the top three offenses in all of college basketball, and they scored yeah. fifty seven points at home to an Iowa team that allegedly cannot get stops against anybody. I kind of think Dwayne uh, Dwayne didn't have a good shooting night. And I feel like if Dwayne doesn't have a good shooting night and Aaron's and these guys aren't, like, putting up shots and numbers, I mean, E.J. Liddell was okay as well tonight. Like, you, they need a, they need E.J. Liddell. They need Dwayne Washington Jr. They need C.J. Walker to have these great nights so they can be the team that they are and, you know, capitalize on certain mismatches and things like that. I just feel like Iowa – shot the ball well, and Luka Garza played infinitely better than he has played uh, his game before the games before. Yeah, so uh, I was having a conversation with someone um, about this game, and they were like, look, I, I don't feel any different about Iowa's defense now than I did before because yeah. I thought that this was all about Ohio State missing shots. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily about Ohio State keeping them from getting the shots that Ohio State wanted to get. It was about them um, – just missing the shots that they wanted. And I think that's fair to a point, but like also this is like the third time that we've said that about teams that are playing Iowa. And and there's, so I'm going to throw another stat at you. Okay. There's this guy named Bart Torvik who runs a, uh, a a temple free stats website called T rank. That's kind of similar to like Ken Palm in terms of um, how they use like, uh, you know, um, schedule adjusted and pace adjusted efficiency metrics to determine who the best teams are over a certain period of time. And it allows you to, to, to look at it based on certain windows and in time instead of over just the whole season. Oh, uh, and you in the last are... seven games, <laughs> since like, since Iowa, since Iowa lost um, at, or at home against Ohio state, when they gave up eight and nine points, yeah. in the last seven games, Iowa has been a top 10 defense in the country. Top 10, top 10. And here's my take. And I don't know if I told this to you the other day, but my take on it is that what changed for them um, is just the presence of CJ Frederick on the floor. And the reason I say that is one CJ Frederick is, 
he's like, he's not a great individual defender, but he's a good positional guy, right? Like he's not going to make mistakes. You're not going to get, you're not going to get wide open layups when he's on the floor. He's probably going to get beaten. Uh, he's not going to be able to stay in front of quicker guards, but he's going to make the right rotations. He's going to make the right reads. He's going to be in the right spot on the floor. And that to a point that matters on a team where you got a bunch of guys that do a lot of really stupid shit. Um, it does. But more importantly, like he's, he just is so good on the offensive end of the floor. And there's two things that he provides them. One, he does not turn the ball over. We talked about this. He doesn't turn yeah. the ball over. And he makes shots, and he's just – he's unbelievably efficient. And what it does is it forces the ball to go through the net, right? And it forces them to take the ball out of the basket um, and and that extra half second to be able to get back on defense. And, and it keeps Iowa from having to play in transition defensively, which is where they really, really struggle. So uh, for my money, like, I don't think that they're great defensively. I think that a lot of the results of these numbers are kind of skewed by some teams having poor shooting nights – um, and the fact that they also played a little bit of a weaker schedule. That said, I, I think that they like as long as they play defense at the level they've been playing it recently. I think that that's good enough to get them to a Final Four. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't expect them not to get better over the year as well either. Like, I mean, yes. they're they're not a great defensive team, but they can they've gotten a little bit better. I, I won't be, I don't think that's like a false like thing to say, but. Uh, I don't know. Like that to say they can go to the final four, I can agree with that because they have the player of the year in their team. Not to mention Joe, we- Joe Weezy is, is getting shots up. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh <laughs> sorry, I can't help but think about that name. That was running in my head the entire time. But uh no, like if they don't make shots though, then we see and when they play against good teams, like you, you the scheduling is a very big point. Like when they play against good teams and they don't make these shots, like they can be down like they were to a Michigan or, or lose, even lose to a team like Indiana where they're not shooting the ball well. So it's just one of those nights where Luca can give you a, a bunch, but if they're not making shots in the perimeter, that's mm-hmm. the game. Like. Yeah. <laughs> For my money, um, I think Iowa might be, like they're just so incredibly matchup dependent, and I think it's the same thing, kind of similar with Kansas in the in the sense that if you can take away Garza without selling out on double teams, right? If you can, yeah, exactly. you can lock them up one on one the way that Hunter Dickinson did, or if you could play like a really kind of disciplined pack line where you're you're getting you're you're making the double on the catch more or less, and you're mm-hmm. able to rotate efficiently out of it, which is like what Indiana does, and you have enough size inside where you can. Uh, you can slow them down one-on-one if you have to at times. They become very easy to guard because they don't have guys that can really kill you off the dribble. They have a ton yeah, of guys that can make like, shots, but if you get if you can get there on the shots, you can you can slow them down a little bit. Yeah, they, you just run them off the three-point line. And that's something that's what Michigan did. I got a chance to watch that game. Like Michigan ran them off the three-point line or they forced them to shoot difficult threes. Like, yeah. They didn't get any assists that game because, like, they had to get run off the three-point line, take two, three dribbles. Sometimes they stepped back into three. Sometimes they did, and they, they just drove to the basket, one-leg floaters from far and contested twos. And they didn't get the the normal one-more passes they would normally make when they're making these shots, and they, they gap and in, in in kick. They didn't have those things because, I mean – that's not what they normally look for <laughs> and not accustomed to get running off the line, get ran off the line that like, and people staying with them. I mean, so if you can do those things, you can make it very difficult for them. 
without having to, like you say, sell out in these double teams on on uh, Luba. How worried are you about Ohio State? Not really worried at all, honestly. I still think they're going to be because of the like. Each other does didn't have like the great. He still made seven, I think what seven field goals tonight. He's he is a mismatch, and as long as they play against teams that are going to have bigs out there, like legit bigs, he will. There, Ohio State will be just fine. And matter the matter of them winning the game, like they'll be in the game. But will they win the game is going to be dependent on CJ and uh, Walker and and Dwayne Washington Jr. Like it's just going to be dependent on them. Because if they have like those kind of similar to what we talked about when we were talking about Texas Tech early in the season, it's just like, you know, they expect Mac McClung to like, just get these numbers up. And that's what's going to keep them in the game if they do everything else that they're supposed to do defensively. Versus vice versa for Ohio State offensively. We know what you're going to give me, Jill Adele. And we know what you can do in those mismatches and how they can make things work. Now, are Dwayne Washington and these guys going to, you know, make these guards, you know, defend and get baskets and then keep the defense fully honest on the perimeter. So then there's no wor- There's no worries. Like EJ, EJ Liddell can like take advantage of the mismatch full out because he's going to get his numbers. Yep. Yeah. I- I'm with you. I, I kind of think that, so they've lost three in a row, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the first two were a little bit fluky in the sense that uh, they, they played Michigan, they played Michigan tough. Um, and there were some individual mistakes that were a little bit uncommon for Ohio State down the stretch that cost them mm-hmm. that win. Uh, so I'm not worried about the Michigan one. At Michigan yeah. State, look, Michigan State's playing better. Uh, Ohio State got a horrible whistle down the stretch. Um, so I'm not that worried about that one either. And then this one against Iowa, like, look, if you're a team that relies as heavily as Ohio State does on three-point shooting and you can't really guard, eventually the regression monster is going to hit. Eventually you're going to start missing some shots. And I think that's kind of what has happened with Ohio state. So I'm, I don't think that they were quite as good as, uh, as maybe like a top five team in the country, mm-hmm. but there's, they're still like, they're a top 10 team. That's a threat. Yeah, they're going to be fine. Before if they get the right yeah. draw. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're fine. Like I'm not, we're just about talking that. about them being a, a possible like one seed, like their, their talent, when they're working and they're good, like they can be good. It's just a matter of like the consistency part of the uh, offensively. Yeah. And just for people that have forgotten, uh, these are the teams that Ohio State has beaten this year. UCLA on a neutral, Rutgers at home, uh, Rutgers on the road, Illinois on the road, Wisconsin on the road, Iowa on the road, Maryland on the road, Indiana at home, Penn State. Like they got some really, really good wins. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> they're a good team. That's not even a debate. I'd pity right. anybody that would debate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Before uh, we get back into. Uh, the rest of this pod and back into the overreactions. I do have to let you guys know that support for this pro, uh, this this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. COVID spring break is right around the corner, Deshaun, and you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Yay! <laughs> Manscaped <laughs> is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica, Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. Manscaped has partnered with Doster and Deshaun to provide our listeners with an exclusive 20% off discount using the code FIELD, that's F-I-E-L-D, at manscaped.com to make sure that you don't ruin any spring break or summertime vibes with pubes peeking out of your swimsuit. So before we get back to the show, let me tell you a little bit about their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. It starts with the Lawnmower 3.0. 
their third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. You don't want to worry about nicking the goods while you're trying to clean up down there. Trust me, Deshaun. Trust me on that. Feel confident shaving your balls with the Lawnmower 3.0. In addition to the new blade, the Lawnmower 3.0 also comes with an LED light for a more precise trim. And it's cordless and waterproof. So you can take that grooming into the shower. Much easier for cleanup. Trust me, I know. Truth be told, you don't want to be using the same trimmer on your balls that you use on your face. That's just gross. You don't want to do that. And the Perfect perfect Package 3.0, it also comes with the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, and the Crop Preserver, or the Crop Reviver, which keeps the goods from sticking to your leg. Plus, Manscaped will throw in a couple of free gifts for you. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented chafe-free Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So get 20% off and free shipping right now with the code FIELD at Manscaped. Dot com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code FIELD. Your balls will thank you. And Deshaun, trust me when I say this, your wife will too. You LED, LED lights, the LED grooming lights, accident, baby. the grooming accident, and Veronica Cornerstone, they all have me right there. Yeah. Was, if Veronica, was, Veronica Cornerstone didn't get you, then uh, I don't know what to do. I can't no, help you. Nothing will. <laughs> nothing will. Um, all right. So my next overreaction is that uh, the best thing that could have happened to this Illinois team is to have Io Desunmu get injured. The best thing that could have happened to them is have him get injured because my take was they were a little bit too reliant on Io and Kofi. And this has forced some guys that were younger that have been a little bit inconsistent, like, for example, Adam Miller, like, for example, Andre Corbello. Yeah. And it's forced them to step up into a more uh, kind of ball-dominant lead role. And they're going to need that if they want to make a run in March. Eventually, at some point in March, Kobe Coburn's going to get in foul trouble or be rendered ineffective, or I would assume was going to have an off night. They need those guys to be able to step up and provide in those moments. They are getting that experience right now. And, oh, by the way, they're doing it while they are winning at Wisconsin. What's your take? Um, I was uh, not going to lie. I was worried, especially after the Michigan State game. Obviously, I'll, the nose-breaking thing is like was concerning. But I was very concerned with like how terrible defensively they played, how bad – they did at the free throw line. It was just like, I was wondering what was going on. I mean, like Rocket Watts and these guys got into the paint whenever they wanted to. They got wherever they wanted to get. No one's had any type of resistance and touched anybody, anything. And almost, it, like I said earlier about, like, getting, they got punched in the mouth and then it just, they didn't respond. And I was worried how the next few games would go, like with the Nebraska game or Wisconsin. And then Nebraska game comes up and Kofi doesn't miss any free throws, really. Like, I think they shot better. They shot better. Uh, they definitely shot better than the game before, but they came out there and they hooped. And like you said, it, stepped, it forced some guys to, like, grow up. Like, uh, Curbelo almost had a triple-double that game. Adam Miller played great. Uh, Granison played great. Like, it was, it was good for them to have these guys, like, to have this happen in a sense. Like, these guys got an opportunity to just grow up and go out there and figure it out on their own. So, hopefully, when Io comes back, you know, they can continue to do that while obviously Io is out there on the floor with them. The the Wisconsin game was dope. I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, I'm a big uh, Trice fan, so 
my boy went over there. He, uh, he put on a good show toward the end. But once again, like Kofi Coburn and De- Demonte Williams, like the, these guys came out and, and played. They played a good game and ended up walk, sneaking out of there with a W without the who we would consider. Now I will consider when I say we like a guy that should be possibly the player of the year. Uh, the the thing that was great about the uh, and I swear when I was watching this I was thinking this in my head um, every time that Demetri hit one of those shots I was like I know now I know now I understand where that is Deshaun's guy because every single one of those shots was like nah that, what what is that shot? oh that shit went in okay. sixteen points in in fifteen points probably in I think it was nineteen minute and twenty five seconds it was yeah, it was it was it was insane like I I I, would, I just remember like. Initially, I was just sitting there watching. And I'm like, "All right, he oh, made he the first. Oh, he made a three. All right, he got fouled twice. He made the fourth free there. I'm like, "All right, cool. Maybe they're oh three. Oh, another one. Like it was just, <laughs> I was just uh, the last jaw one dropper. Right like there. it was the pump fake, and he was kind of leaning and he shot it. I was like, yeah, bank? is that the bank? That's a bank? Butler shot. No, no, it went in regular. No, I was like, all right, cool. I was like, that's a Deshaun Butler shot right there because that shit is off balance. There's no way you would ever coach someone to shoot a ball like that. But, hey, man, it went in. Once again, man. Don't argue when the ball goes in, right? Nah, you damn sure can't, man. It was was (laughs) such an impressive – it was such an impressive uh, display of scoring. But it was awesome to see that even without one of their leaders, Illinois still figured out a way to win. And they went at the free throw line, which they have been terrible at. (laughs) It it just – it was good to see that, especially from a team that's getting ready to go, uh, getting ready to go up there and play Michigan. I think right coming up Tuesday. Like, I, I actually, it sucks. I don't know if I was gonna be back for that game. I wish he could. I wish it, it, it would make the game that much better. But I'm excited to see how they'll, they'll hold up. Like, these, they got these young guys going out there against this very, which I always say that's a young team in a sense. But they're very, they play like they're an older team, very experienced team. I can't wait to watch the game just to see how this, like, how it pans out. Yeah, that's going to be a good game. Hopefully, Iowa can play in it. All right. Um, Villanova lost at Butler. Uh, for my money, I think that was mostly just, like, one of those nights, one of those shooting nights. Um, I think Villanova was, what, two for 24 from three? Let me just check this, the the box score to make sure I was, I'm right on that. Two for 27. They were two for 27 from three. That is a crisp 7.4% day, Sean. Uh, they were under 40% from the floor. They, they just, they got some shots. They got some good looks. They didn't make those looks. And sometimes that's, that's going to happen to you. Like that's the, the nature of the game of college basketball. So I feel like they're missing a piece, man. I just like, they have a bunch of guys that can do a lot of the same things in the perimeter. Obviously like, you know, you got good shooters for the most part, obviously I don't know about after this game, but they had good shooters. They got guys that can to attack. They got guys that gap and kick like, they got a couple guys that can rebound and like I, just, I don't know. I just feel like they're missing someone that can give them. You know what it is? Like it's, it's just it's, like because it's like it's so much of the same thing on the perimeter, and then you have Samuels and you have Jre next to each other who are somewhat similar in a sense. Except you know Jre obviously hits the boards a little bit different. Like he's a little bit more consistent at rebounding and, and, and other things. But like it's just they're they're just missing. I hate to say like a, a star player or something like that, but they're just missing like a player that. No, I, I think you're right. So let, like, let's, just like, let's go through something. it, right? So the, the first team, when they won in 2016, these are the guys that they had on their roster. Ryan Archidiakno was their star point guard. Yeah. He was a senior. He's been in the NBA for the last five years. Yeah. Josh Hart, first round pick, still in the NBA. Jalen Brunson, 
uh, as a freshman was a McDonald's all American. Now he is a, uh, he was a junior preseason or junior national player of the year. And he was a second round pick still playing in the NBA. Uh, Mikhail Bridges ended up being a lottery pick, right? In 2018, they had three of those guys still. They still had a, uh, well, no, two of them. They still had Mikhail Bridges. They still had Jalen Brunson, both pros. They also had Dante DiVincenzo, who was, uh, ended up being a first round pick. Eric Pascal, who is currently, I believe he is starting for the, the, the Warriors, yeah, at least yeah. playing for the Warriors. He's heavy yeah. in their rotation. Amari yeah. Spellman, first round pick, right? That's five NBA players on the roster on the 2018 team that won. They had four NBA players on the roster of the 2016 team that won the title. This year's roster, who's the pro? Where's the NBA player? Jermaine Samuels will probably get there, right? Just uh, not Jermaine, um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, yeah. Will probably get there because he's big enough. He's a good enough rebounder. He's got a soft touch. Like he's he's skilled, right? He'll he'll yeah, play he'll in the NBA. Him. I don't know how good he'll end up being. Is Justin Moore a pro? Uh, not if he's shooting thirty percent from three. No. Is Colin Gillespie a pro? I think Colin Gillespie might be one of these guys that comes back for another year in college. Jermaine Samuels, like I want him to be a pro, but he just hasn't taken that leap that I thought he was. Like he's still. He came in and I expected him to to develop into like a th- like a pure wing, and yeah. he's still kind of like a, an undersized four. Four, exactly. Yeah. Caleb Daniels, I I, I want to be more into him than I am, but whatever. Like, where's where's the pro? They don't have a pro yeah. on the roster. I don't. I don't see. And that's that's the thing. Like, they have so many guys that do similar things. It's just like they need somebody to be able to give the ball to and make a play sooner or later, and they don't have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry can't even – he can't be that guy. He's a good – he can't – he does it from time to time. But, I mean, the the style of play that he has and what he actually can do, like his tool, like that's not – that shouldn't be demanded of him to, like, be the guy to make a play off the bounce from the perimeter for them to be successful. Like yep. that's not – yeah, that's not it. Yep. All right. Um, My next overreaction, I think this is one that you'll agree with. Uh, Cade Cunningham basically – locked himself up to be the number one overall pick. I don't think there's any argument to make, to make that he shouldn't be the number one overall pick at this point. After the performance that he had against Oklahoma, he had 40 points, he had 11 boards, and he was just unbelievable down the stretch. If you guys haven't seen it yet, like go go find a highlights clip on YouTube. Go like check Mike Schmidt's Twitter page. You know he always is going to have those performances out there. Um, <laughs> he hit so many tough shots. And it was one of those things where like every time, Oklahoma State needed a bucket to kind of curb the momentum. Or every time Oklahoma like scored a couple points in a row and took the lead and looked like they were about to run run away with it at home, um, Cade Cunningham stepped up and made a shot. And it's not like he was making easy shots. Like he was creating against pressure defense, coming in like step backs and turnaround jumpers in a lane and pull ups from eighteen feet, bucket, bucket, bucket. He was he was, he he was, was good. so good. And the and the best part about it, Deshaun is I don't think that we've seen what he does best yet fully because he plays on a team that doesn't have very many shooters. His the that's best a, attribute is his ability to mip, manipulate the defense with the pass and his vision. We haven't seen that. That's what, that's what I'm saying. We haven't seen that at all. That's what one of the things I was curious. All right, so because of this season, I, there's people out here that are, will probably think because this season is the way it is that most teams are probably – most NBA teams are probably just – whoever they thought were the number one draft picks, that's where they're going to go with. Like whoever they thought it was going to be in the beginning of the season because of how up and down the season was 
and how you didn't get you didn't get a really good view of everybody the way you wanted to get a, a good view of them. That you know they'll just take who they were planning on taking at the number one picks and they'll just keep it the same, just like it was just a wash year. But if you look at the season in your in your mind, do you believe like what you've seen? Do you believe that K K Cunningham is the without a doubt? Like if you take away this forty point game, without a doubt, is he the number one draft pick? I think that he would probably still go number one. Um, I think that I would absolutely take him number one. Um, I think that you would have to. I, like, I love Evan Mobley, mm-hmm. but I think that there's a certain ceiling in what Evan Mobley can be um, because he's not a guy that can dominate a game with the ball in his hands. And at the NBA level, like, you can have a great player that kind of plays the role I see Evan Mobley playing. Like, I think Evan Mobley will be somewhere between – a Bam Adebayo and an Anthony Davis when it comes down to it, like depending on how skilled he ends up getting, how much his body fills out, how strong he ends up getting. But like he's his height, his ability defensively, how smart he is, the fact that he can handle the ball, the fact that he's a really good passer, he can make shots. Like he is the best role playing five. I think that you, you prospect that you'll ever find, but I do think that to a point, he's kind of like a role playing five. Um, you can't build a team around Draymond Green. You put Draymond Green on the roster and it lifts everybody else up and makes them better than the whole. Bam Adebayo, you don't want to build a team around him. You want to build a team around Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and, and Jay Crowder and Goran Dragic and then put Bam Adebayo on it because what he does makes everybody else better and lifts the whole team up this way. Um, Anthony Davis, uh, we saw him in New Orleans and like he, I think he made – two playoffs in seven years in new Orleans, right. Might've been the greatest player, like one of the best players in the NBA, but I don't think that you can win when your best player like that is a five goes to the Lakers plays with LeBron James. And all of a sudden, like that's the best team in the NBA. So I kind of think that Evan Mobley's in that same vein where he needs to be with a great player. So Kate Cunningham has the potential to be that kind of great player. And even before that 40-point game, like, I don't think that you can pass that up. If you can get a guy that's that's basically going to be, like, the same – I think there's a very real chance that Kate Cunningham can end up being as good as, like, Luka Doncic and as good as um, LaMelo Ball looks like he's going to end up being and, like, can kind of play that same six, seven-point guard role, except, you know, he's more athletic, he's tougher, he's stronger, he's a better defender, he's got the seven-two wingspan, all of that stuff. So I don't think that you can pass that up even before seeing him go out and make all the plays that he made down the stretch here. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of – I don't think – it hasn't really changed. It, I, I don't think anything I saw changed my mind. Um, but watching Kate struggle a little bit with defenses and driving into brick walls and kind of forcing to be a turnover prone, I was like, well, you know, at some point this might be a conversation. Nope. Nope, mm-hmm. we saw it. Like sometimes that's all you need is just see it once and you know. And- no, nah, I definitely agree. Uh, I kind of – I always kept him there. Just – I kept him at the number one mainly because I just – I like what I saw from him in general. Like, even when he was doing he was doing those things, he also – he was – you know, you had that conversation about LeBron being, like, MVP and all these guys being MVP, and then you, you see the things that they actually do that affects the team as a whole. Mm-hmm. But if you were to take him out of that team – and you just look at the rest of the team, you you couldn't picture the team doing as well as they are or doing anything at all if he wasn't there. I kind of put him in that scenario, not to just compare him to LeBron, but just to say that when I look at that Oklahoma State team, it's just 
and I take him out, I don't really see that team. Like, he does a lot. He rebounds. He rebounds. He sets people up. Granted, he didn't set many people up that game. He was too busy getting buckets. But (laughs) he set people up. That happens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's just the way I'd rather him get the damn buckets. But, you know, he sets people up. He – He's he's guarding infinitely better. Um, obviously from from the beginning of the season to the point this point now, which shows growth as far as defensively. Like he, and one of my favorite things about him is he's just so poised, man. He doesn't get out of character. Like I, you you maybe see him get fired up once in a while, but for the most part, man, he is just mellow and chill, and he just goes out there stone cold face plays. Figures out. It's just like it's so Derrick Rose to me when I see him in a sense not. Not the athleticism, going sick athlete up and down, mentality, blur, right? the but the mentality. Yeah, like it's it's just I'm gonna go out there and do my job, type Bob. And he's great, man. I I I liked him as a number one pick before. I was I was wondered like, all right, I saw some of the, the vision and everything like that when he was playing in high school, and I wondered how it worked out. And with the team he was on, it hasn't been great, but you see spots in certain games where he finds people and does the things, and you know, so you know he has the vision. But I was honestly worried about the scoring. Like when I started hearing about like the point guard that can be a, a franchise guy, and and I think of all the franchise point guards that have come out of college, like it, I, they all can score the damn basketball, or they were just an amazing just point guard in general. Like as far as setting offense, finding people, like the scoring that the scoring, uh, you know what he did this uh, last game was his display of scoring was. Damn sure it was great, man. Step backs, NBA three, like everything. Like he was everywhere. Yeah, he had it he all. Did every he did everything. He had it all. And I, I just want to, I want to end the podcast on this because it's something that has to do with Oklahoma State. Um, at this point, we are 14 days away from Selection Sunday. If the NCAA, as of right now, Oklahoma State still has a postseason ban coming to them, but they are currently appealing the ruling, which means that if the NCAA does not make a decision on it before the bracket gets released, then Oklahoma State's going to be able to play in the NCAA tournament. Yes. And we're 14 days away. And after everything that all of these kids have been through this season, if the NCAA in these next two weeks comes out and says, we're, we're, we're overturning your appeal, you're not going to the NCAA tournament when Oklahoma State is like a six seed, I – Will lose my motherfucking mind, Deshaun. Yeah, bro, because he just made he he's brought them to the tournament. Yeah, he, and it's not just it's not just that, not just him, not just him. The rest of the guys, obviously, they did their part as well. Yeah, but, like so, I I, I kind geez, of in the sense that, like, okay, you you did something wrong, you committed a violation, you got to pay the punishment. The rules were broken, blah blah blah. But like whatever, like I understand that eventually, like you kind of like if your rules were broken, you have to enforce them, whatever. But one, I think the ruling itself is a load of shit. Um, it, it's, they, we really, don't, I, I don't want to go into the rain about Oklahoma state. I can go into a rain about Oklahoma state, but let's just say that like, <laughs> there's the people that were actually victimized in this were the players were, were, were the player that Lamont Evans was trying to take advantage of. There was no, uh, there was no competitive advantage gained. There was no cheating that was actually involved. It was just a dude that was greedy taking bribes, trying to line his pockets while victimizing a player by telling him that he was going to set him up with a guy that actually happened to be uh, someone that had swindled two and a half million dollars out of clients that he had had before. So like the people that were the victims in this 
that were Lamont Evans victims was the player, was Jeffrey Carroll. That's who was the victim of Lamont Evans. And they are punishing him because he was accepting bribes and committing federal offenses and all of this other stuff. Like it's just, it's so dumb to take the, they weren't cheating. There was no cheating involved. There was no competitive advantage gained. It did exactly. not make them better. Like this is not affect winning in any way. This was just some greedy asshole trying to get a little bit of extra money. <sighs> and he's been that said. That said, um, if they if they make the decision where they're going to like overrule this and 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 uh, not let Oklahoma State go to the NCAA tournament, that would hurt. After everything, after they did, played all of this time in a pandemic after they dealt with all the isolation, after they dealt with all of this stuff, it's just. I don't hurt. It would, it wouldn't, it would be. Deshaun, we would, we would go down kicking and screaming. Mm. We might have to boycott. Were, the they, tournament. were they even picked to even, they weren't even picked to go to the tournament this year at all. Who, Oklahoma State? Yeah, I don't think so. Were they? No, were they picked no to thought even, they were a tournament team. We were like, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. There, but we'll see. And you know what? He Here we are. Like they're so yeah, good man. for Cade. Good for Mike Boyden. I really like Mike. I've said that before. Facts, facts. You know what I like about him? Um, you, if the more you get into media, the more you, more you'll experience this, Deshaun. There's a lot of coaches where if you get them on the phone and say, "Look, this is off the record. Don't say anything about this." Or uh, you know, this is when you ask him a question, you'd be like, "Well, is this is this staying here? This is off the record, right?" Mike has never said the words off the record to me. I've been like, I'm going to ask you questions. Okay. If it's on the record, he's like, I'm not going to say anything to you that I would not say publicly. I would not want to put my name to. And I've always yeah. really respected that about him um, and the way that he kind of approaches this. So um, yeah, I think that's all we got. Let Oklahoma state in the NCAA tournament. Deshaun, it's good to have you back next week. I'm going to tease it right now. Next week, Thursday night, the beers and ball live stream. Uh, we are going to invite a special guest on. It is going to be the Y. Your team sucks. Beers and ball live stream. The most anticipated show of the entire year. Deshaun, I'm fired up. It's your first one, baby. You excited? I'm very excited. And I'm going to leave this shirt at home. Uh, and, <laughs> Cause I, once he sees it, he's going to go in. So I don't yeah. want to, I don't want my feelings hurt. Yeah, there you go. All right, man. It was good catching up. Congratulations. Man, man. Go out and win this tournament for me. All right. That's the plan, man. That's the plan. Glad to be back. <laughs>